Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. I know we're finding some spots in the back, and um, I, I pray that your, your, your time went well. Miko told us that this is the 14th year, I think, of this conference being held right here at the Lighthouse, so it's super exciting. You know, the first one was about worship. I, it was a long time ago, but it was an incredible uh, time, and so um, just excited for about what God is doing in this place, and we pray that you were here. If you take notes, amen, amen, amen. So 14 years, 14 years of this happening right here in this building. And so it's exciting to be back with you, and, um, and I pray that God will move uh, in, in your life. And so we'll just see what he does this evening. Uh, when I was 13-year-old, I gave my life to the Lord. How many people have given their life to the Lord? Let I just hear a hallelujah, amen. Sweet. And so and when I was 13, I gave my life to the Lord, and I said, you know, I'm going to follow him. And you heard some of my crazy stories. Anybody said something? You know, I was like asking my kids when I got home in the car. I said, do you curse at school? He goes to Montague Middle. Anybody go to Montague Middle or South Terrebonne, right? And so he goes to Montague Middle, and he's like, no, Mom, I don't curse. I said, okay, I'm just making sure. Because I said, I don't want you to think cursing is good. You can't drop those F-bombs, you know, at school. So anyway, and he said, Mom, I'm not going to do that. He's sixth grade, you know, so he's, he's not there yet. And so, uh, and so anyway, we're, we're talking. At 13 years old, I gave my life to the Lord, and then at 17, so God began to define my character. And and what happened is, is those different processes of just saying, okay, God, I'm going to allow you to take that junk. My faith and my actions have to line up. I can't be one way at church on Sunday or on Wednesday nights. Now, my youth group was a little different than yours. We had about five kids in our youth group that included my sister. And so, so, you know, we just sort of loved the Lord and uh, grew in the Lord. Lord, and and by, by my senior year, anybody a senior in the house tonight? Uh, yeah. And so my senior year, you sort of know everything. Can I get an amen? Seniors know everything. Amen. And so, uh, amen. And so, and so I was a senior in high school and uh, loving the Lord, um, doing that better than I did when I was a freshman. And so I, I by this time, I sort of, I, I used to date unworldly guys. That's not a good pattern in your life. And so by that, my senior year, God said, you know, you really should only date believers. So for my senior year, I went single for the entire year, which was like a big accomplishment in my life was to go single. And so at the end of my senior year, I felt like I had really loved the Lord. I was attending Christian club on a, on a secular campus at South Terrebonne. I, I literally, we would pray around the flagpole. They had a flagpole and we would go out of uh, my car and we would go to the flagpole and pray. There was a group of students at South Terrebonne that had been praying for years. I don't know if they're still praying, but it's incredible how many people have come to to know the Lord, uh, we believe just because of those prayers. So I'm doing good, right? I'm I'm serving the Lord, and I'm I'm good in my character, and I'm good in my faith. And it was uh, three weeks before I graduated high school. And it was a service. Now, I'm Baptist. Anybody Baptist in the house? I'm not Baptist now, but I was Baptist then. Anybody Baptist? You don't even know what I'm talking about. Baptist people don't have emotional services for the most part. And so uh, and so they just sort of sit there, sing three hymns, and it's good. They love the word of God. I love Baptist people. I'm sort of like a Bapticostal, whatever that is. And so uh, I know the word, and I know the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so, and so I'm sitting there in a service that my family's going to. It's a Sunday morning. And I'm sitting there, and uh, the, the 
guy ends out the service and it's not emotional at all. There's no song. There's no like, you know, let's just cry before Jesus kind of moment. There's nothing. Uh, and all of a sudden, for the first time in my life, I feel like God sort of spoke to me. And I don't want to say that it was audible because I don't know that it was audible, but it was a very distinct moment in my life. And here's what God said. He just asked me, he said, Tara, and it was just like he said my name out loud. He said, I want you to give me your life. Now, here's the deal. I already was a Christian. Some of you are going to doubt your salvation when you go home this weekend. Oh, did I really get saved? Do I really know the Lord? The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you say it or confess it with your mouth, you are a believer. Now, I had not walked perfectly, but I was walking closer to Jesus in my senior year than when I was a freshman. So me being a senior, getting ready to graduate, I decided the best thing to do was to talk back to God. How many people ever talk back to God? Don't do it. It's not like an advised thing to do. So I'm sitting there and I said, God, I said, God, I've already given you my life. I've already, I've already surrendered everything. I really had. And, and then God spoke another specific word. He said, Tara, give me your life. And then when I talked back to God, he said, I want it all. I want it all. And I didn't know at that moment what God had in plan for my life. All I know is that he had asked the question that he wanted every single part of me. So I did only what you should do in those kind of churches. I had cried. I just began crying. I'm thinking like my sister's going to notice or my mom's going to notice or I don't even know who I'm sitting by, right? And I just begin weeping before the Lord. And I said, God, I said one thing. I said, yes. I said, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I said, I'll do whatever you have for me. I'm just going to say a big, bold 17-year-old yes. And so I get out of service, and I'm like, I'm trying to wipe the tears from my eyes because nobody cries at our kind of church. And so I'm trying to wipe the tears out of my eyes. And so I get into my car, and it was my car. It was my senior year. And I, I told my mom, I drove into church that day. I remember so clearly, I drove to church in this blue 85 uh, Sundance. It was old and raggedy. And uh, it was a stick shift. And I got in the car. And before I even started the car, I said, Mom, I said, I want to know, I want you to know that um, I just told God that he can have whatever he wants. Like, I'm just going to serve him. I don't know what that means, but I just said yes to God. And she said, well, what does that mean? I said, I have no idea. I said, I'm a woman. And women don't get to be pastors or preachers, right? I mean, I'm back in the 90s. And so, uh, and so she said, well, what, what does that look like for you? I said, mom, I have no idea. I said, all I know is that I said yes. And she said, okay, well, we'll, we'll look at that. And so we get home that, that um, same time. Now, we don't have cell phones or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever it is that you do. We don't have any of that. So we get home, and there's a message on our machine, this exact same day that I said yes to the Lord, and I said, God, I'll give you everything. There's a message on our machine. Now, whenever I came to know the Lord, I was 13 years old, and it was because of a youth pastor brought us to camp, and we sort of gave our life and surrendered our life to the Lord. His name was Mr. George. Mr. George was like the coolest youth pastor. He was like a man. He had three kids, but he was just cool to me. 
Like I was a geek and a nerd. And so he sort of poured in his life to me and taught me uh, the word of God. And like he, we would have these things like, you know, for five people and like on a good day, six people would show up. I loved Mr. George. Like he was the only youth pastor I had. And this was the only youth group I knew. And so I just said, well, he's the coolest man. Well, we, our church at the time that he was going to ended up splitting. He goes to one church and my family is at the Baptist church. Well, the same day that the Lord God said at 17 years old, I want you to give me everything. We go home and there's a message on my, on my machine about our youth pastor. My youth pastor was preaching at his new church. He was already another youth pastor. So he's preaching at his new, at his new church. And he says, he says, he gets up on the stage and it's an assembly of God church. And, and he gets up on the stage and he says, I see the Lord coming down like with a white horse. And he says, you need to get ready. And so he has a big altar call, and as you can imagine, people are getting their lives right before the Lord. God's coming back. God's coming back. And so he went down off the stage, and he sat down at the altar, and he knelt down there, supposedly just praying for people. Well, after about 10 or 15 minutes, I don't know because I wasn't there, but we got the message after 10 or 15 minutes, his wife went up and shook him and said, George, it's time to get up like church is over. And when she shook him, he was cold. He was not breathing. Literally, my youth pastor had a heart attack. The moment that he said, I saw Jesus coming back on a white robe. And when he went down to pray, he died. And I get the message on a phone that my youth pastor, that poured life into me was no longer living. The same exact day that I said, God, whatever you want, I'll do it. At the same exact time that I had said, yes, my youth pastor had passed away. So two, three days later, we go to the funeral and he had three young kids I'll never forget. It was at Assembly of God Church, and they pull out his coffin. I don't like funerals. I don't know if you like funerals, but I don't like funerals. So he pulls, they pull out the coffin of my youth pastor, Mr. George. He's in his 30s. I think he was in his late 30s. And so they pull it out, and we show up to the church, but it's not our church, and he's with this new youth group, and they got a bunch of kids, and they're really cool. And literally, like, when you're walking up to the church, there's a line of people that are just coming in to see my youth pastor, Mr. George. There's young people. There's old people that he's affected. There's all these crowds of people. And so we sort of just stand in line with my family, and I go up to the front of the coffin. Now, I don't know what kind of, like, you know, funeral person you are, uh, but I I am not a person that likes to go up to the front. You know, I just like to stay in the back and just sort of not look at things. And so I go up to the front and literally just sort of look over my dead youth pastor, his body, who's with the Lord, obviously, but I'm just sort of sitting there dumbfounded because I'm a senior getting ready to graduate and the Lord has asked me for a yes and I told him yes and yet my youth pastor is dead right here in the middle of this, of this hallway. And so I sit there and the Lord speaks to me again, because that's who he is. And I said, God, I said one thing. I said, God, I just saw these lines of people coming, lines and lines of people. Here's what I told God that, that same three days later. I said, God, I want to have more influence than my youth pastor, Mr. George. And I will say yes to you. 
every single day of my life. And they put that casket into the ground. And tonight, I want to share with you a message that it all starts with one word. Yes. That tonight, you can be a messenger of the Most High with one word. You don't have to know your plan, your future. You don't have to know what that's going to entail. I had no idea that at 17 years old, that would mean that that would not be my last funeral. Because, you know, unfortunately, I've been at some more funerals. I had to bury a 17-year-old boy that was from the streets because his heart quit working and his name is Jaquan. And I'm sitting at another funeral and I'm sitting at a young girl that's 19 years old and her name is Miracle. And I'm sitting at another funeral in my 30s, all because when I was 17 years old, I said yes to the Lord And I meant what I said. Tonight, it all starts with this one word. Whether you are 13 years old or 15 or 18, the word that you need to say tonight to the Lord is absolutely yes. Because God will take care of the rest. That people like Isaiah, he's in the Bible. I know we got one up in the youth group tonight. But people like Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, here's what God says, send somebody. And Isaiah says what? Send me, I'll go. He had no idea that he would be talking to a people that would never listen. All he said was yes to God. They have people, we have other kinds of people. We have people that say, hey, like John the Baptist said, hey, I'll go. And he doesn't have any idea that he'll have to eat honey and locusts for the rest of his life. And eventually that his head would be chopped off. He just said yes to God. They had people that are like Saul who uh, got a bright light shine in their eye and they become Paul. And he has no idea that he'll be in prison and that people will laugh and make fun and shipwreck. And all these things would happen to him. The only thing he said in that moment was yes. Isaiah and Moses and John the Baptist and Saul. And the man that we have been studying, Daniel, says yes. In his teenage years, with all of his young people friends, and he says yes to the king of kings and the lord of lords so here we go look at the the bible we're going to look at chapter six this evening and see that maybe god is not calling you to say yes to him daniel chapter six and verse one are you there say amen If you're not there, just look at this screen and then shout amen. So here we go. It said, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom. Now, I got to stop just for a moment because Darius is not the king that we talked about last night. Last night, we talked about Nebuchadnezzar. Between Nebuchadnezzar, there's another king. His name is uh, Beelzezar. And so they have the king and then this is the new king. So this means that Daniel is no longer young. He is quite indeed old. See, we don't understand that. When we read the Bible, we think, oh, Daniel's still young. He's still a teenager. Absolutely, he is not. He is someone that has passed through time and said yes to the Lord a couple of times. And so we see at this moment, Daniel is an older man. I'm not saying how old the Bible is not clear, but he's definitely someone that is not of a youth. And in Daniel chapter six, it says this, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three high officials of whom Daniel, everybody say Daniel, 
Now you remember Dan I L. So Daniel, God is my judge. It says now Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account. So the king might suffer no loss. And then this Daniel, he became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit, that's a good character. Hopefully you learned that this morning, that if we're going to live in faith, we have to have good character with the Lord. It says there was an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set over him the whole kingdom. In verse 4, it says, Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. What an incredible example that no error and no fault was found in Daniel. And then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. The only way that you could find fault in Daniel is that he loved the Lord with all his heart, his soul, his mind, and his strength. And so in verse 6, it says this, Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to them, O king Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom and the perfects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors all agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or any man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into a what? A den of lions. How many people heard this story before? You've heard the story. Okay, so we're going to keep on reading in verse 8. It says, now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. Now, verse 10 is where we're going to sit at this evening. It says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house. Now, somebody say he went to his house. Now, get this, Daniel was already a messenger. Your first yes to your life will be that you will say yes to being a messenger of the king. The prophets, Isaiah, Moses, they all said yes. Moses sits at a burning bush, and what does he say? Yes, he has no idea what he's going to have to do, and that he's going to have to lead a million people through the promised land for 40 years. He had no idea. All he said was one yes, and God began to take care of the rest. So Daniel has already said yes to the king, not for salvation, but for being his messenger. Tonight, the question would be, have you said yes? Because it all starts with just one yes. But when Daniel, look at verse 10 again, it says this, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where they had windows in an upper chamber, open towards Jerusalem, and he got down on his what he got down on his what so Daniel though he had said yes to being God's messenger he had established a pattern in his life now tonight we're gonna call those godly disciplines that's a big fancy church word but we're just gonna call that tonight godly patterns in his life. Now, Daniel was a man that was more than emotion or a song. Daniel was a man that set up patterns in his life because you can say yes to the Lord, but if you don't establish these things in your life, God cannot use you to your fullest extent. The thing that you're going to have to do is say yes to being a messenger, 
But you're also going to have to say yes to godly patterns. God, I am going to set these things up in my life so that I can be the best messenger that you have called me to be. For example, Daniel sat down and said three times a day that he got on his knees. Getting on his knees implies what? Prayer. So he prayed three times a day. Not only that, look at how he did it. It says in the windows in his upper chamber, open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. So you're going to say yes to be in God's messenger, but you're going to say yes to godly patterns in your life. Number one, God's pattern will lead you to God's best. Daniel understood that. So in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel had a pattern of reading the word of God. In Daniel chapter 1, Daniel had a pattern of fasting. Fasting is simply this, going without so that God can move. Remember that in Daniel chapter 1? They don't eat of the king's meat and the king's wine for 10 days. That's called fasting. That may be from social media. That may be from food. You may say, God, I'm going to be a faster, a person who gives up so that God's hand can come down. There were disciplines, godly patterns in Daniel's life that said, I want to be a better messenger. When you do this, God's patterns will always lead to another yes. So here's the pattern of life. You say yes to God. And then you get faithful about following godly patterns. You say, okay, I'm going to read the word of God. I'm going to spend time praying before the Lord. I'm going to spend time fasting, memorizing scripture. I'm going to spend time in worship. And then what happens is, is as you begin to walk that out, God says, here's what you're going to do. Here's another yes. And then you begin to fast and pray and worship and spend time with the Lord. And then God asks you another yes. Maybe when you're 17, maybe when you're 19 or 21, the pattern is that we say yes to be in God's messenger. And then we discipline ourselves with the word of God and fasting and prayer. And then we say yes to be in God's messenger. And then we pattern our lives and say, I'm going to be a faithful student of prayer. I'm going to listen to what the Lord has to say so that you can be all that God has called you to be. God's patterns lead to another yes, but God's Patterns or godly patterns lead to your and God's best. So here's the idea. We have a ladder on stage, right? And you're saying, okay, Tara, what's a ladder for? I actually pulled it in from my house, so therefore it's dirty because uh, my husband, he's a worker. And so he, um, here's a ladder. A lot of us in the room, what we want to do with our lives is we want to be here, way at the top. We want to be seen. Being seen is awesome, right? Everybody wants to be seen. You maybe want to be on the worship band. How many people want to be in the worship band? You're like, yeah, I can sing. I can. There's no problem with that. There's nothing wrong with those things. Maybe you want to be a greeter or maybe you want to be an elevate student leader. I don't know what you are thinking in your mind or what God has called you to do, but a lot of us want to start at this place and say, look at me. Look at who I am. Look how great I am. And God is never starting at this place in your life. Here's what's going to happen as you become God's messenger. He's going to say, start way at the bottom. Pick up chairs after service. You know what I did? I said yes to God. So at 17 years old, my mom ships me to Mexico. 
by myself, and I'm sitting there in Mexico, and yo no hablo uh, mucho espanol, so I have a problem already, you know, and so, uh, and so I'm trying to spin as my Spanish, and, and they, I have nothing to offer. No one asked me to speak, or no one asked me to do anything, so I'm the Kool-Aid maker. Literally, this is what we did. We got five-gallon white buckets that are, like, dirty and disgusting, and we dropped some grape uh, uh, Kool-Aid in there and some sugar. It was terrible, and for six weeks of my life, I was just the Kool-Aid maker. And I would take little cups of Kool-Aid, grape Kool-Aid, and we would go into the mountains or the cities or wherever we were doing the VBS. And there's the American girl. She's by herself. She doesn't speak English. I mean, she doesn't speak Spanish. And so, and then all I did was just make Kool-Aid. Like the whole summer, I'm literally the Kool-Aid maker. And then I'm in a, a very machismo society, which means men rule everything. So I also was the cooker. I can make some great Mexican salsa because I learned that when I was 17 years old. You start there and at 17 years old I'm just like God this is what you have for me so I walk into the Christian group at our campus and literally they don't want me to sing because I can't sing and I can't play piano and I can't do anything I have nothing to offer I can't speak I stutter all the time and so they said will you pick up chairs after service hallelujah I picked up chairs after service for two years and then all of a sudden the boys were out of town. All the boys and men were doing like really cool things and I was just a woman. And so I'm sitting there as a woman and, I, and they asked me to speak for the first time at some place. And they're like, we wouldn't normally ask you because you're a girl and girls don't speak. But because we don't have any boys, could you be a speaker? You know what I said? Yeah. Yes. You know what in between those moments had happened? Godly discipline. I pulled out this Bible. I said, I'm not going to just hear somebody else preach about it. I'm going to learn it for myself. So there I'm putting a discipline, a godly pattern in my life. We began to pray around our campus at Nickel State. We would do these prayer walks. And every day I would pray. And I would ask the Lord for people in my university. I used to target people. Oh, you're in my band? Oh, you're in my class all the time? I'm going to pray for your salvation. Literally, I had a list of 10 people's names that I prayed for their salvation. Do you know that most of them have come to the Lord? 20 years later, but most of them have come to the Lord because of who God is and establishing and saying, I am going to start at the bottom and I am going to see what God does. And so here I'm establishing myself in the word and I'm asking God, hey, look at all these things that are in my life. And so does Daniel. That's what Daniel does. He says, this lion's den, this decree that the, that the new king has established does not bother me because I have disciplined myself. I'm not worried about the decree. I'm just going to become the man of God that God has called me to be and I'm going to realize that that has no effect on my life because of the discipline that Daniel had in the word of God and the discipline that he had in prayer and the discipline that he had in fasting and so here's what happened in my life I'm sitting there at 19 years old and all of a sudden I've raised a couple of notches not before God but just God is starting to see hey you've been faithful as a messenger You've been a faithful person, and I'm saying yes to him and to his kingdom. And so God always ups his game. He always asks for more. He asks for more surrender in your life. And so the, the question that he asked me at 19, at 21, becomes something different. And so God is saying, hey, Tara, these are the things that I have for you. Why don't you start a nonprofit with kids? Okay, God, I'll just say yes. 
Hey, Tara, and you start establishing yourself, and then God asks you to adopt four kids from the Philippines. Guess what I said? Yes. And then God's asking us for more, and I keep on saying, okay, God, this is the pattern that you have established for my life, and you just need to say yes to the king. You just need to be like Daniel and say, those decrees do not affect me because you want to get to this place in your life. You establish disciplines of prayer. You establish disciplines of reading the word, and you establish fasting in your life. But here's the problem. Sometimes we look more at the decree of what the king has said rather than looking at what God has said. See, Daniel was not affected by the decree of the king. I'm going to be God's messenger. I'm going to say yes to him. He'll take care of me. I wish I could say the same. I wish that I could stand before you and say, I've just been so faithful Since I was 17 years old, I've never given up, never stopped. But sometimes as humans, we look at what's happening around us, the decrees that have been issued, and we don't look at what God has said. So I'm sitting there in my 30s, and I'm in a mess. Like, I'm in a mess spiritually, and you wouldn't know it because I'm supposed to be preaching, and I I still get my sermons ready. But we had a lot of bad things happen. You ever had something bad happen in your life? And it just keeps on rolling and rolling. So I'm looking at bad thing after bad thing in my life. and, And I'm just so affected by the bad things. Like literally we start a church. And people come and they, 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 like while we're preaching, we have like drive-by shootings. No joke. Well, I'm preaching a sermon and bam, bam, bam. And I, uh, all the men in our church leave to go check on their kids that are next door. Hey, we move, so come, you know. And so, and so, and so, and, and, and so we have a drive-by shooting. I mean, serious. Like I, I literally bury two kids that I love, that I love. And and I'm starting to be focused on what's happening around me, just like uh, Daniel wasn't. And so I'm looking at these things, and and then literally, like, people would break into our place. And every week, something new would be broken into. We had these windows, and you could sort of, like, just crack them and then just go in. And, like, we had all these people up on drugs. And literally, they would come in. One time, we walk into the building, and, like, a whole window's out, and there's blood everywhere. So we call the police, right, because it's CSI. And so we go in there, and we look. And we're looking for CSI, and Homer Police shows up like an hour and a half later. Good thing I'm not dead. And so, uh, and so they come up an hour and a half later, and the Homer Police are like, "Ma'am, it's not like CSI." I said, "Well, can't you just swab it or do something? Because we need to know who this blood is for." So they take a swab, and you know, we never get a call back. They never even call us about anything. And I'm like, "God, what is this?" And I start focusing my eyes on all these other things. And so my husband loses his job. That same day that my husband loses his job, someone calls us from our community of believers, and they said, Tara, an SUV is in your building. I was like, SUV? What you talking about? 11 o'clock at night, we walk up into our building, and literally there is a car, SUV, stolen that's in our church building. Blinker on wall busted out a hole as big as this as this wall back here and I'm looking there and I'm saying God I quit saying yes you know why because I had quit the disciplines I'm not reading the word because I don't like what's happened in my life 
not going to fast anymore. I used to fast all the time. And then I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. Because God, you're not even listening to my prayers. And I didn't realize that rather than going up with the Lord, that literally I was coming down. I wasn't doing bad things because I wasn't supposed to be doing bad things because I'm a preacher. But on the inside, I am dying. I am not where I used to be at with the Lord in my teens and in my 20s. And I'm saying, God, something is wrong. And he says, yes, you have forgotten the godly patterns in your life. And I'm looking at the SUV and I'm looking at the, the blood stains and all these things that are happening in my life. Instead of focusing on the disciplines of prayer and the discipline of reading the word and the discipline of fasting and of worship in my quiet time. So all my answers to God at that point are no. I'm not going to do anything else for the kingdom of God. This is where you got me. And all of a sudden, I read a book. It's 2017. It's not even that long ago. And I'm saying, God, I just quit. I just quit. I'm not saying yes. I'm just going to be status quo. I read this book called Red Moon Rising. It's about a prayer movement that's happening all across the world. And I don't know why I read it. I just like, it's 2017. I'm going to make a new pledge. I said, God, this will be my most spiritual year yet. I'm going to dedicate 2017 to you. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to read the Bible one time. It's through and study it. Like, that's a lot. God, I'm going to pray and fast. God, I'm going to do these things for you, and we're just going to see where you lead me because I'm afraid that if I keep on saying no to you, I'm never going to be the person that you had intended me to be. So I begin to pray and read the word. You notice that's what Daniel's doing. God, three times a day, I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek your face. And so I just began to say, God, this is the new me. And so eventually, like we're saying, okay, God, we're going to pray. So we set up this like 24-hour prayer time in our church because that's what people do on the east side of Homa and nobody does it and so like I just said hey we're gonna pray and so we're gonna invite you to come and pray with us and and I know that there's like a lot of crazy in our neighborhood we'll lock the doors you come and knock whenever it's your turn to pray and so literally we start praying through the night and then we begin to say okay God I'm gonna memorize scripture we're memorizing like these books of the Bible like these chapters of the Bible and I said okay God we're gonna up our game you know what happened as I got better in the disciplines of godly behavior behavior of acting like the Lord and spending time again you know what happened my answers became a yes to the king of kings and the lord of lords you want God to move in your life worship team you want the anointing of God to be in your worship so that chains break so that when Dom comes to preach he don't have to say anything pay the price We all want this weak, cheap Christianity. Oh, just follow Jesus and feel good. As if. Daniel didn't have a feel-good religion in the middle of a lion's den. He had a discipline. Life. Yes, God. The word. So we start. We, I'm going to tell you another story. So, so I'm not fasting, right? Because fasting is sort of like for old people. And I'm not there yet. And so a month ago, we're reading, we're praying. Like literally, we're spending time with the Lord, and God is moving. Like people start coming to our church, because like normally we just had 30, and now it's like a lot more. And we just start asking God to do some things. 
So I, we go to El Salvador. So this summer we went to El Salvador, and and we and we needed a translator because again, yo hablo only un poquito español, and so uh, it doesn't work, you know. So we're gonna have to preach and see whatever. Yeah, that was good. That was good. And so uh, and so. So we're sitting there, and, and, and this, this couple from El Salvador calls us. Well, they Facebook message us, and they say, Tara, we know them. We know they love the Lord. They say, we want to be your translator. They said, um, we knew that they were godly. They had been missionaries. And we're like, yeah, that's cool. You should be our translator for our church. We're taking 14 people up to, to El Salvador. And so they said, we're going to fast about this. And I'm looking at them like, you don't have to fast about being our translator because like, seriously, you could just be our translator. They're going to just tell you yes. And so, I mean, that I, I just looked and so I go home and I tell my husband and he's like, yeah, I mean, and then we just sort of looked at each other and said, well, what if they should be fasting? Well, we get to El Salvador and I can't even tell you the move of God that happens because this couple is our translator because they can speak the language and, and God begins to move in the schools and at the church, we're like the revival speakers and we didn't even know it. And so we show up and God begins to move because this couple had fasted before the Lord. So Ted, my husband, he's at another place sleeping with the, the guys and I'm with the ladies and God just speaks to him and he says two things. Number one, learn Spanish. Number two, he said, he said, I want you to start fasting again. And I'm looking at God and I'm saying, no way. So we get home and the moment from El Salvador, we hadn't really talked too much and we get home and that night I said, what did God tell you, Ted? And he says two things. Guess what he said? Speak Spanish. Because his is way worse than mine. And so, and then, I, and then he said, hey, and God told me to start fasting for the church and our church on the east side. And I can't believe it. I mean, we just sort of teared up together. We prayed before the Lord. And we said, okay, God, it is time to get our anointing back. It is time for the sake of the people on our area where we live at. We're going to be a people that are disciplined and using godly discipline. Because I want whenever our service hits for people to come to know the Lord. I want that, that our answers would always be yes to him. I want that we would have a power and an anointing from the Lord and you pay a price for it, my friend. You can't say at 13 years old, yes, because God will want a 15 year old, yes, and he will want a 17 year old, yes, and you just keep on saying yes and discipline your life and you will watch God move in powerful ways. I can't even tell you the stories of how God moved because you're spending time in godly disciplines and then you're spending time saying yes to him it happens for Daniel see this is not going to be a feel-good message in fact tonight you're going to go home and talk about real ways that you're going to discipline your life you want to be a better messenger be disciplined I mean that makes sense right in the health world you want to be a better weightlifter pull more weight you want to be a better football player practice more you want to be a better cheerleader? Say yay a lot more. I don't know. I wasn't a cheerleader. I was in band. You want to be a Christian that has an effective message? Spend time with the Lord. Start at 10 minutes. Go to 30. Start at 30. Go to an hour, spend time journaling and writing down the word of God because God says that when you do that, when your yes is a yes, he will begin to move you up the ladder. And this is not a ladder of success, my friend. This doesn't make you look better. 
This just makes you closer to him. You want success, be obedient. Lions den miracles, they don't just happen. It started with a yes that Daniel said when he was a teenager, and then godly patterns in Daniel's life. But when those miracles happen, they are absolutely profound. We're going to look at what happened because Daniel said yes to God. Look at it in verse 19. It's on the screen. It says, then at the break of day, the king arose, and he went in haste to the dens of lions. So let me get you caught up on the story. Daniel prays, right, three times a day. He opens up the windows. I don't care. I'm going to be a messenger for the king. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. So guess what? The king has to honor the decree, even though he really likes Daniel. He says, I still have to throw you in the den of lions. And so though he is sad and the decree has affected the rest of the, of the culture, Daniel gets thrown up into the, lin, the den of lions, and he stays there overnight. So that's where we pick up. It says in verse 19, then at the break of day, the king arose and went to haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. So you can see that he's sad, but it doesn't matter. He's still letting the world win because he's still a worldly king. He cries out in a tone of anguish. And the king declared to Daniel, oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the mouth of the lions. And then Daniel said to the king, and that means he's alive. If you're talking from the mouth of a, lion, of a den of lions, it means you're alive. It says, then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the lion's mouth. That's who God is when you say yes. He will shut the mouth of a lion for you because of your character and your faith and because of who you know God to be. And so God moved profoundly in the life of Daniel. It says, then Daniel said to the king, oh God, king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and he shut the lion's mouth and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, oh king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and he commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had miraculously, maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. Can I just say for a moment that if you're saying yes to the Lord, and you are practicing the godly manners of life, and there's an evil attack in your life, or people are saying crazy things about you, here's what I would say. Keep on saying yes, and keep on practicing the disciplines, because God will do what he did for Daniel. He will take those people out of your life. I'm living proof. Got some people all up in mess in my life. And I just shut this trap. It's like, I'm fast and pray. Seek the Lord. They're out. It says in verse 24, And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into a den of lions, that their children and their wives. After, before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them, not Daniel, and broke all their bones in pieces. Sort of gory. Say, that's the end of the story. Absolutely not. Here's the end. It says this in verse 25. God loves you, but he is better than you. His message is greater than the messenger. I will be like my youth pastor one day, dead in a coffin and gone. 
but his message will remain. It is not about me. It is not about you. It's not even about Daniel. Listen to verse 25. It says, Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all of the earth. Notice he says all of the earth. I mean, this king had power. It says, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree. And notice, this is a new decree. Because Daniel's a faithful messenger and a disciplined messenger. Here's the new decree that the king says. He says, I make a decree that in all my royal dominions, people are to tremble and fear before the God big capital G of Daniel for he is the living God he is enduring forever for he is the living God enduring forever and his kingdom shall never be destroyed this is an ungodly king saying godly things about the king of kings and the lord of lords he says his kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be no end he delivers and he rescues why because an ungodly king saw the faithfulness of Daniel and the character of Daniel and he saw the message of Daniel and here's what he says he says he delivers God is delivering you he rescues he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth he who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions and so this Daniel prospered through the reign of King Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian there was another king to come tonight there's only one question some of you gave your life to the Lord last night some of you have been trying to get your faith with your actions connected through godly character this morning. And now God just asks a simple question. At 13 years old, you can be his messenger. I'm not asking you for a call to ministry. We are called to minister wherever we are. I taught school for five years, best ministry of my life. At South Terrebonne High School, some of the best ministry in band, in college. Why? Just a simple yes. 13-year-olds, I may be asking you to find someone in your class who doesn't know the Lord and bring them to the lighthouse. Elevate. It's just a yes. God, I'll, I'll ask them. 15-year-olds, God might be asking you to go on a mission trip. He might be asking you to, to lead a small group Bible study with your little group of friends. Say yes. God, I'll do that. 18-year-olds heading out to college or your senior year, God might be asking you to step up your game tonight. Quit making it all about you and start saying, who can I influence? What seventh grade kid can I pour the life of Christ into? Because my friend is 17 years old, it is about the people that are coming behind you. And so say, hey, who can I do that? God, I just want to say yes to you. I just want to say yes to your plans. And then you pull those yeses with prayer and you pull those yeses with the word of God. Well, I don't understand the word of God because you're not reading the Word of God. Read it. Get an app. Read the app. Start there. I just don't know how to pray. Start with five minutes. God just talking to you. Well, I don't know how to fast. Start with a meal. About him fast a meal. We started fasting last month, right? So I fast a day. It's super hard when you're like, you know, whatever, haven't been fasting for a while. So God just moves 
And like the day, I have a specific fast that I pray for. One was for you guys in the past month. Another one was for this specific thing that was happening. And God just answered my prayer. Like someone walked in my office the next day. Strange, I just fasted all day for you. I said, I'm ready to give everything up and follow the king. That's an answer. Because of the prayers of the people. God wants to use young people. He wants to. He used Daniel. He wants to use you. And it's just a yes away. I never regret for a moment the yes I said at 17 years old. The yes that I said in front of my youth pastor's casket. The yes that I said when I buried a 17-year-old boy. I've never regretted those yeses because I know that he asked them. Today, God is calling some of you just to say yes. You don't have to know what's here. You just have to start right here. Tell a friend about Jesus. When you do, you'll begin to pull yourself closer to the king. Can you bow your head, please, and close your eyes? Do something a little bit different. We're just going to ask you just to think about it. It's a hard decision. It's going to cost you everything, right? John the Baptist, he got beheaded. Saul got shipwrecked, eventually killed in prison. It might not be that bad for you, hallelujah. But it could be. God might be calling some of you to foreign mission fields. Maybe in 10 years, America will be a foreign mission field. But he's just asking for a simple yes. You don't have to know everything. I didn't. Daniel didn't. You just have to say yes to him you just feel like the Holy Spirit is maybe tugging on your heart you'll sort of feel like hey she's talking to me and she don't even know me that's not me that's him and you would just be willing at 13 to say yes now here's the deal it's not like you're gonna go to like another country tomorrow because you have to go back to school Monday so the great way to say yes is to become a great student so that you can say better yeses when you're older you'd say, you know what? I don't know what God's calling me to. Maybe, maybe for you, it'd just be a yes that leads to you being a great teacher one day. A, a Christian teacher. And schools need that. Maybe a Christian doctor, a lawyer, or Dollar General worker. I mean, Dollar General needs some great Christian workers. Amen? It doesn't matter where matters yes doesn't matter if people listen or not that's not part of it nobody listened to Isaiah wrote a bunch of books chapters 60 something 66 I think nobody listened God just wants a yes if that's you in the building today would you just stand right where you are and say I'm gonna say yes not cause my friend is or she doesn't think I'm cool because honestly I can't even see you. But you would just say yes to him. 
whatever that looks like. Maybe you work with at-risk kids and we'll hire you one day. Maybe you'll just tell a friend about Jesus on Monday at school. Maybe older kids, teens, 17-year-olds, you'll pick someone and say, let me just pour into them. And these 13-year-olds look up to you. You're cool. We're not. But you are. Maybe you'll pour life into your brothers and your sisters at your house. Quit being the mean older brother, sister, whatever it is, and you'll say, no. I realize that God has called me to be an example to them. You would say yes. And you're going to have to discipline your life. Nobody likes that word discipline, but you're going to have to read the word. You're going to have to spend time in prayer and memory of scripture and fasting and all these things because you have to get closer to him so that you can hear the next yes. This is just one yes, my friend. There's going to be more coming. And as you pray and fast and, and you ask the Lord, then there'll be more. This is just a 13-year-old yes or a 14-year-old yes or a 19-year-old yes. And those are great, but God has so many more coming. Stay close. Now, there have been some people in your groups, I think. And they've been with you all week and they've been pouring the love of God into you. So we're going to do it. I'm going to ask the Elevate leaders. I don't know who you are, but I'm going to ask the people that have been with these kids. And you know them. And adults, maybe they've been in your house, maybe they've been staying at your house, and, and so you sort of got to know that group of kids. I'm going to ask you to find them right now. I'm going to ask you just to pray over them. Sort of like a mantle, right? Like Elijah and Elisha. Just sort of saying, hey, God, I'm going I'm to pray for this kid that's been at my house. They're standing, and I'm going to pray for them. So adults and, and people that have been group leaders, I don't know who you are. I know that you've been with these kids. Can you find that kid that's in your group? See, like, here's a huddle, so I don't know who these boys belong to. But, like, can you just pray over them if they've been with you? Like, we're sort of getting in our groups, and that's cool, right? So, like, there's a group of girls right here. I can't, I don't know who these leaders are, but would you just find them? And can you just pray with them? That God would give them the power it says in Acts 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my messengers. There's some more groups forming with those leaders. Just find your groups and then just begin to pray over them.